You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Good afternoon. It is good to be here again with you as I got to visit your congregation last year around this time and had such a good time of it with my good friend Chad Bird. It is a privilege to be back here with you this time behind this wonderful pulpit. Our sermon text for today is actually just one verse. One verse from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. It reads like this. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. End of reading. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, we come before you now in this season of Lent, recognizing our lowliness and recognizing our neediness. May your spirit unleash the power of your word upon those that you've gathered here today so that we would see how you have in fact met all of our needs in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. If you were to spend any time scrolling down my Instagram or Twitter feed, you might just might get the impression that I'm a guy that has things together. My timeline is filled with uh, all pictures of me teaching the Bible like I'm doing here today or, or pictures of me and my kids hanging out somewhere fun and other stuff like that. Generally speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty gifted at presenting to the world the person I want them to see. But of course, the truth is, if I didn't have the infinite opportunities for pictorial curation that social media provides, you might also see images of me in a far less flattering light. For example, from time to time, you you could come across really beautiful portraits of of me paralyzed by anxiety over my ministry or over the various tasks that I have to do in life. You know, just a gif of me sort of going back and forth like this maybe. Or for those of you who are purists, gif, sorry. But just a back and forth motion of me, you know, sweating it out over what I have to do or whether I'm going to do it well enough. But you're not going to see that picture on Instagram. No, no, no. No, I'll look competent there. Or you might see a real framer of me getting upset at my kids, I don't know, for being too loud, you know, just being kids. But, but you, wouldn't, you wouldn't see the nearly perfect version that I present on social media. And I, I suppose, I mean, I could blame this digital cover-up all on social media and our culture's pressure to produce, quote, good content, But that really wouldn't be fair or accurate because the truth is, long before I ever got on Instagram or Twitter, 
I was an expert at covering over my less impressive parts. And I'm willing to wager you're not all that different from me, having lived in this world long enough, you've learned that to be uncovered is to be vulnerable, and to be vulnerable is to be possibly weak, and to be weak is to open yourself up to all sorts of potential hurt, shame, and pain. If we are to be safe, if we're to be safe, well, at least some of who we are is just going to need to be covered. To some extent, to cover up is part of what it means to be human in a fallen world. But of course, there is a a cost to all of this covering up. The sad fact is, the more we try and hide, the less capable we become of receiving and extending love. C.S. Lewis was right when he wrote, to love at all is to be vulnerable, Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable even. To love is to be vulnerable. End quote. In other words, Lewis is saying to refuse vulnerability, being uncovered, is to potentially harden oneself, not merely to other people, but but to God. But of course, of course, this is all too understandable. We hear things in Scripture like God is a consuming fire and that he is holy, that no sin is acceptable in his sight, and we can't help but run for cover. So here we are, stuck between a rock and a hard place. If we expose ourselves for who we really are before a holy God, well... Who knows what tears may come, but if we refuse to be exposed, then we take upon ourselves a crushing, overwhelming load that we can't possibly bear. Indeed, this isn't just a biblical teaching. This is something that is backed up by modern research. We're told by researchers at Tufts University that keeping secrets about ourselves actually can be deadly. A little while back, they did a study in which they found, well, in four different tests that keeping a secret proved to have real and perceived physical effects. In the first test, Dr. Michael Slapian and his colleagues found 40 people uh, who were told to recall a secret. They were then each asked to estimate the steepness of a hill. Those harboring a meaningful personal secret believed the hill was steeper than those who merely recalled small secrets. In another test, the researchers found 40 people who admitted to recent infidelity. The participants rated their guilt first over the matter. Then they were asked to rate the energy and effort required to perform common tasks, such as carrying groceries upstairs or helping someone move or walking the dog. 
And overwhelmingly, the people who were more bothered by their secret rated the tasks as using more energy. He concluded the study, the more burdensome the secrets were, the more participants perceived everyday behaviors as if they were carrying a genuine physical burden. Well, the psalmist describes the same thing long ago for us in Psalm 32 when he says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Nevertheless, like our first parents, we delude ourselves into believing that with enough fig leaves we can hide our problems from the seemingly terrifying presence of a holy God. Those leaves then make their way into our ears, deafening us to the God redemptively calling out in the garden of our destruction, where are you? Perhaps up to this point in your life, You've had a hard time hearing that redemptive call over the barriers you've been hiding under. But maybe, maybe today you'll be granted ears to hear his saving voice calling out to you in his word. 1 John 1 says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear walking in the light, I immediately, my mind goes to, that means I have to do something. That means obedience. That means I need to get my act together. But no, the apostle describes walking in the light differently. Immediately after this statement, he says, if we say we have no sin, We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, expose ourselves, be vulnerable before this holy God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, just to reiterate, John says, if we say we have not sinned, We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Dear sinner, sinner saint, seated here today, take those words in. Step out of the darkness and into the light, far from God threatening to crush you for what you've tried to keep hidden. God invites you to confess the skeletons in your closet so that he might bury them in the grave for good. In fact, both fellowship with one another and with God come not just with a one-time, but a continual acknowledgement of one's shortcomings and failures. In other words, before the face of God, you are free to be, period. You are free to be. Brene Brown, the foremost expert on the power of vulnerability, writes, Vulnerability is the birthplace of everything we're hungry for. What are we creatures made in God's image really hungering for? Acceptance and grace and love. 
Deep down, we all want to know that if we get real, that our true selves will not be greeted with a smug laugh or a judgmental glare. And the good news the scriptures give us is that all the embrace, love, acceptance, and grace we desperately long for is freely given in Christ Jesus. As we bring our shortcomings, failures, and sins to our Lord in confession, God has no choice but to respond with soul-transforming words of pardon. You are forgiven. And from those words, we receive true rest. There was a movie that came out a while back called The Machinist about a man with crippling insomnia. The longer the film went on, the less sleep he got. The less sleep he got, the more unhealthy he got until he began losing weight rapidly and he became a shell of the man he was. Throughout the film, the people around him wondered what had happened to him to make him so sick, to plague him so much that he couldn't sleep. Finally, at the end of the film, A suppressed memory comes up in his mind in which he remembers driving fast in his car as a younger man and without meaning to, hitting a child. At the moment, he was in such shock over what had happened that he just got back in his car and drove off and that was the end of the matter. No one ever pursued him. He went on living his life. And he tried and he tried and he tried to push down the memory. And the more he tried, the sicker he got. The film, interestingly enough, ends with him walking into a police station, turning himself in being escorted into a jail cell and then for the first time falling asleep. Yes, as scary and threatening as it can be to think of being exposed, it is the path that leads to rest. Because Jesus Christ has taken his sin, taken your sins upon himself, you no longer have to hide your shame. Those sins, yes, even that sin is now hidden with Christ in God, Colossians tells us. To be a Christian is simply exchanging that which hides us. We exchange the insufficient rags we've used to cover up for the all-sufficient robe of Christ's righteousness given in our baptism. Therefore, we are invited by the author of Hebrews just a couple verses after the verse I read to you at the beginning of the sermon to go boldly to the throne, not of judgment or wrath, but boldly to the throne of grace to find grace in our time of need. Well, how often is your time of need? All the time. And what you can know is that when you go to that throne vulnerable before your God, 
you will receive grace every time. In fact, he cannot wait to tell you once again, you are forgiven. Father, I thank you for the words of pardon that are our hope and our life. Oh, how afraid we are to truly be exposed, and yet it is coming before you without excuse, without uh, self-justifications, without rationalizations, just coming as we are, that we hear the almost always surprising word that we are pardoned for Christ's sake. We give you thanks and praise for this in his name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.